Shalom, Mishpacha. This is Sid Roth. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with the Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with a very supernatural guest. And now, here's your host for this program. It's Supernatural Television producer, Jackie Duval. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Stan Lovins II. Stan is the founder and president of Revivals for Jesus. He shared the gospel to millions and has personally witnessed thousands upon thousands of people give their lives to Jesus, with thousands more healed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he's seen many who were abused in all forms find healing, salvation, and freedom from abuse and shame. Stan has also preached all over the U.S., Liberia, and Ghana, Africa, Haiti, Honduras, and many other places. He's the vice president on the board of Preborn, and he's married to his precious wife, Camille, and they have four incredible sons and currently reside in the Nashville, Tennessee area. Welcome, Stan. Well, Miss Jackie, it's a blessing to be on this program with um, with you and as well with uh, Sid Roth. I've, I've always uh, admired what God is doing uh, through his people, and it's supernatural. The healing signs and wonders and miracles, and I just love what God's doing. So, uh, thank you for opening up the opportunity for me to be a part of this program today. Yeah, we are honored to have you here with us. You are seeing so many miracles every day, and we're going to get to that later. But first, tell the listeners where you came from and what your childhood was like. Well, you know, that's a that's a packed question. We could spend all day with that, but I'll try to trim it up here. How's that? Um, yeah. I was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um and that's where I got my Southern draw. <laughs> and uh, God really moved um, on um, my life at, at a young age. And I just didn't know that he was with me. Um, I grew up in a, a home that was broken. It was hurting. I have five sisters, um, my dad, my mom. Um, you know, so we, from the outside, we appeared to have a really close-knit family. And uh, we had our package together. And a lot of people thought that we were Christians. And uh, the truth be told, I never heard the gospel uh, growing up. Never, um, never was around any um, hope at all. Matter of fact, behind the scenes, uh, there was a lot of abuse and shame. And I like to just say it the way it is. I grew up in a hell home. It was uh, there was a lot of torment, pain, and shame. And and uh, yet God uh, still worked. I remember the the first time that I began to. I was about uh, two and a half, three years old, and I saw a bunch of demons in my bedroom. And I was I was scared because on the other side of the wall was my 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 sisters and they were toddlers and they they were being violated by my dad and they were mm. screaming and 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 crying out and um, and I was scared as a little boy their younger brother and and so I I, I went to pull the covers up over my head and um, as a, as a young child would do and yet at the same time uh, when I did that I heard an audible voice an audible voice that spoke to me and it was a father's voice. And it comforted my heart. And when I pulled down the covers, um, I, I looked, and there was an aura of glory right there in the middle of, of the bedroom. And all the demons had scattered, hmm. and the, the, the cries and the screams had stopped. And yet that was the first time I can recollect um, hearing hearing the voice of God. Just didn't know it was God. And right. so, again, we didn't grow up going to church. And then, you know, just um, fast forward through all this. At the age of seven, I was molested by my dad, and and at the age of eight, I was in socially raped for a pack of cigarettes by my mom. 
and so my five sisters were violated by my dad and, and um, three of my sisters were raped multiple times by my dad and, and one of them conceived six times. She had an abortion at the age of 11, one at the age of 14 and another uh, uh, miscarriage due to my dad beating her so bad that she, she miscarried at the age of 16. And then she conceived three more times and those are my half brothers, half nephews. Now keep in mind, we, as a family, we were all well-known athletes and we, um, we grew up impoverished in, in, in a welfare system and uh, knew a lot of entrapment and enslavement, but did, we didn't know freedom. And so my senior year, I went on, um, I'm just fast forwarding through all this. I really, my senior year, I went on to, you know, uh, try out for the baseball team. I, I played varsity baseball the year before as an athlete. And um, that year I got cut my senior year from basketball and baseball. And um, it, it really broke my, my heart and, and really dismantled the, um, any any hope that I knew because all my hope was in sports. All my hope was getting out of that home and making something of my life. I always had a, a dream of being a professional baseball player. And, and when I got cut, it, it literally shattered me and I was depressed my senior year. And um, the uh, the next, that summer I, I played uh, ball and we went to the state finals and then I walked on and, and made it at the uh, University of Indianapolis, which is the NCAA Division II uh, college. And and so I walked on the team, even though I got caught my senior year from high school baseball. And I'm sharing this part of it because I believe God was teaching me how to persevere, how, how to continue to, to, to press through and not to quit. Even when opposition is all around, uh, we need to continue to persevere. And so at that time, I, I transferred colleges after my uh, sophomore year, and I went to Marion College, which was a Catholic-affiliated college. So, uh, University of Indianapolis was a Methodist-affiliated college, and yet I never heard the gospel, never heard mm -hmm. any hope of Jesus Christ. And so at that point, my uh, junior year, um, I was invited to Olympic trials and, and um, didn't make the Olympic team, but it was good to be invited. And so that was a blessing. So it really um, built my confidence. And then my senior year came around, I was supposed to be drafted by major league baseball. And that, that didn't happen. And, um, draft day came and draft day went. And so I ended up, um, continue to play semi-pro ball at that point. And then at that moment, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just knew I had to continue to persevere. And it, in the meanwhile, my family was in disarray my mom and dad were at odds. They were on the brink of, of a divorce. And then my uh, my breakthrough came and um, actually ended up signing and playing three years of minor league uh, professional baseball and uh, as a shortstop. Then we ended up, um, after three years of minor league ball, I made it up to double A and I was scheduled down with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And the Tampa Bay Devil Rays were a new expansion uh, team in Major League Baseball in 1997. And so when um, that door opened up, God, um, I know was working on my behalf, but I was scheduled to go down January 28th of 1997 to spring training. And uh, January 17th, I actually was in a car accident. I had a cab driver ran a red light on me 11 days before spring training with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And so after six months of rehab, I was, I was just broken. Everything I knew had collapsed. My you know, my life was, was being shattered. My, my false God was baseball and sports and that, sh that came crumbling. And uh, then my great uncle who was also a realtor and I was uh, selling some real estate 
um, and he was my broker and he shortchanged me $1,500 on a commission check. And I then I was at odds with my dad because I was standing up for trying to set my sisters free from all the abuse and all the shame and pain. And um, nothing was working out because I couldn't do it in my own strength. And so one day in June of 1997, it was actually in the evening, um, it's beautiful starlit sky. I cried out to God and I said, God, I don't want to be here. If this is life, I don't want it. I'm tired of all the lies, the brokenness, the hardships, the manipulation. I don't, I don't know who I am. I don't know why I'm here. So if this is life, I don't want it to take me out. But I said, God, I want to know the truth. And that's when it gets really interesting because three days later, Ms. Jackie, as you know, God is the God of truth. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, is the living God, and he reveals his truth. And so God revealed his truth that day. And um, three days after I cried out to God for truth, God revealed his truth by uh, me going over to a widow woman's house. Her name is Margaret Rose Cox. And Mrs. Cox was a precious woman, 81 years old, and her husband was a war vet, and three years prior to uh, to that he had passed, but he had asked me before he had passed, Stan, uh, will you take care of my Marge? And so I was helping her out. And as I went to her house, this is where it gets really interesting. She made a little brunch. And as she made that little brunch, um, it was about 1030 in the morning. She said something after, um, after we sat down, she said something, I said something, she thought it was funny. And she had just taken a, a bite of a piece of chicken and and all I heard was her gasp. And um, she, as she gasped, she didn't grab her throat. She didn't hit her chest. She just sat there for 35 to 40 seconds. And it was an eerie silence. I was in a widow woman's home and it was eerie because it was quiet. And then she got up after about 35, 40 seconds and she went to walk away. And I said, Mrs. Cox, are you okay? And she you know, kind of shrugged her shoulders and waved her hand and she went over a little half bath that was um, about eight feet away. And as she went in there, over the next eight to 10 minutes, God unveiled everything in my past, the hardship, the hurts, the brokenness, the abuse, the molestation, the ancestral rape, the screams, the cries, being cut my senior from high school baseball, all the torment, all the shame, all the pain, all of that compiled in a vision. And God began to show me everything in my past that was tormenting. And now I'm going to pause here to say this. I believe we're formed in darkness to be transformed by the light. And God has a way to transform us. He just got to get his truth in us. And so what happened at that moment of time, as I saw all these tormenting things over an eight to 10 minute period, including the car accident, the cab driver that ran the red light on me that caused the car accident, covered his head. Now, keep in mind, I was in a I was in a bread truck delivering bread when I was in that, that car accident. And um, that was my in-between pro-season jobs and making really good money delivering bread. Little did I know later in life, I'd be delivering the manna, the bread of life of Jesus Christ. So um, as, I, as I was sitting there and all this unfolded, then the, the vision just closed up. And then the audible voice spoke to me. It was a father's voice, a heavenly father's voice. And he, and he said, go check on her. And then somebody tapped me on the back of the head three times, like I would one of my four boys, and said, come on, son. And uh, so I looked back. The window was shut. The door was shut. It was right behind me. And so there was no one in that widow woman's home but Margaret Rose Cox, who was in the bathroom, and myself. 
And so I got up, I walked over there and the, you know, thankfully the door was left open partially. And I said, Mrs. Cox, are you okay? And then as I looked in, I saw her, the back of her leg cause she had, she had collapsed. She was face first and she was literally, she had suffocated to death and she had no pulse. She was cool to the touch. And the audible voice spoke to me and said, pick her up. So I straddled her and keep in mind in my car accident, I had a messed up right shoulder. My neck was messed up, my back was messed up, and my left knee was messed up. So I had four different injuries from the car accident. And so as I straddled over her, I picked her up, and it was dead weight. Dead weight is dead weight. It weighs about five times more than the the human body at times. And so I I stepped in the eatery kitchen, and an audible voice said, Heimlich. Hmm. He said one word, Heimlich which was very interesting because I'd never done the Heimlich before. And uh, truth be told, I didn't know what I was doing. And all of a sudden, during that, that moment, I pulled up once and there was there was nothing. I pulled up twice and up come a piece of chicken the size of a quarter. And at that point, it flopped on the floor <laughs> and still there was nothing. I had a dead woman in my arms she was lifeless. She had no breath in her. There was nothing I could do. Didn't know what to do. And it was at that moment of time that God really awakened me because the presence of the Holy One came into that widow woman's home at 34th and Kessler in Indianapolis, Indiana, and quickened her body back to life. And she started gyrating and shaking And God breathed life back into her lungs. And when he breathed life back into her lungs, she started getting her her skin tone back. It was pale white, and yet it it came back to tone, and blue lips turned to to pinkishness again. And God transformed that woman. And um, she gathered herself. She went over and grabbed her purse. She flipped it open and began to write out a check. And it was $4,000, which God had given me a vision and I, I saw that vision. And in that vision, I saw a $1,000 check. And then God said, don't take the money. Hmm. And uh, I told her, I said, I can't take that check. What are you doing? And she said, you saved me. And she said, you saved my life. And I said, no, no, I, you don't owe me anything. And she said, no, I got to pay you. And I said, no, you don't need to pay me anything. I said, I didn't save you. And she goes, no, you saved my life. And then there was another voice that said, take the take the check. <laughs> that voice was not the voice of the Lord. And so I didn't take the check. And at the same time, God healed my shoulder. He healed my neck. He healed mm-hmm. my back and he healed my knee. Wow. Completely healed me in Jesus name. And so that was my introduction to the resurrection power of Jesus. Wow. Wow. A powerful story. And um, a few months later, you ended up giving your heart to the Lord. Actually, it was about six months later. Um, tell us about that. Well, it was uh, December 1st of 1997 when I gave my heart to Jesus. But prior to that, uh, I didn't know where to go to church. There was churches on every other street corner. There was, you know, every flavor you wanted. There was Baptist, Southern Baptist, Independent Baptist, Pentecostal. Um, there was Presbyterian Church, Catholic churches. Every flavor was all around in Indianapolis. But no one ever invited me to church. So I grew up in a home of of, of the fact that we didn't know where to go. And so... What happened was um, God began to order my steps. And um, over that six-month period, I started reading the Bible. 
was a New Testament. Actually, it was a New Testament that was given to me by my ex-girlfriend, um, by her dad, and her dad had, had um, committed adultery on her her mom and separated and ended up marrying the other woman. So I didn't, you know, I really didn't want to do anything with that book mm. that was given. But the fact that it was the New Testament, the Lord told me to read that book, and I began to open it up, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop reading it. So I was hungry. I just didn't know where to be fed beyond just reading the Word. And so um, I got invited to a friend of mine, a Pat Galavec, who's in another real estate office, and she invited me to a church called uh, Bethesda Baptist. And Bethesda Baptist, uh, Bethesda actually um, represents the pool uh, of healing, right, in Bethesda. And so she invited me finally, and I went. And after a couple months of going there, that was in late October. So after about a month and a half of going there, <laughs> interesting enough, the, the pastor uh, actually preached a devotional uh, on a Monday night, and it was uh, a Monday night due to they had an outreach with basketball. So I was playing basketball with the men's basketball league, and he had preached a devotional and then did an invitation. He in, invited anybody that wanted to know Jesus to raise their hand. Well, I didn't raise my hand because I didn't fully understand it. And I, I looked to my left, I looked to my right, and there was two guys that rose their hand even though the pastor said, don't, don't look around, don't peek and, and close your eyes. And bow your head. I still looked. So I, I have a confession to make. I still looked and I saw two people raise their hand and, and um, I didn't understand fully what he was doing. So he said that prayer. And then afterwards I went up to him, I said, pastor, that was a really good motivational speech. <laughs> and so he chuckled and obviously it was a devotion, but it, you know, I, he chuckled and he said, well, praise the Lord. And he started tapping his belly and, uh, he said, well, praise the Lord. Um, he said, what's your name? I told him my name. He said, son, he said, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, you know, I, I played professional baseball, but I was in a car accident and I'm looking to get back into it. And he said, well, son, you need to get a real job. <laughs> and I said, well, I, that, is, that was a real job for me. And he said, well, how old are you? And I said, 27. And he said, well, you know, how high did you get? And I said, up the double way. And he said, well, that's pretty good, son. He said, but by God, maybe you have a shot. A lot of guys go from the double A up into the major leagues. And uh, I said, well, thank you, sir. And he said, uh, son, you ever been saved? And I said, no, sir, but I'd like to be. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, you come forward next Sunday and we'll get that taken care of. I keep in mind, that was a Monday night. And I didn't want to wait until Sunday. So he was already tracking the two guys that had raised their hands. So he started to walk away. And as he went to walk away, I grabbed his, his arm and I said, sir, in all due respect, I don't want to wait until next Sunday. I want to get born again today. And so he took me upstairs, and then he, he began to walk down through the Romans Road. And as he began to walk down through the Romans Road, he told me to bow my head and, and close my eyes. And he said, son, he said, why don't you go ahead and uh, say this prayer from your heart? And as I began to bow my head, he began to say it, but he, he was speaking so fast, and he had a southern draw worse than mine. And uh, I couldn't understand what he said. And so he smacks the table. And he said, by golly, son, if you're going to get born again, you need to confess with thy mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And I said, sir, I do believe that. And he said, well, why aren't you speaking? I said, because I can't understand the lick of what you're saying. <laughs> and so he chuckled and he slowed it down. And he, and then I gave my heart to Jesus. And that's when I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But it didn't stop there. God began to open up the door. And that first week, I saw three people give their heart to Jesus. And uh, next week, five more people came to learn Jesus. No, I knew Jackie was. I just knew the gospel of Jesus died on the cross. He rose again, the gospel of John uh, 3.16. 
and that God didn't send the son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that through Jesus, they shall be saved. And so that excited me to, to bring the gospel out to the people. I didn't know anything about evangelism. I didn't know the who's who in the zoo when it came to evangelists and televangelists. I just knew that Jesus loved people and he loved me and he freed me. And he wanted to bring that to the world. And so he said, go into all the, the world and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so by saying that with the Great Commission, I knew that that was a mandated assignment. I just didn't know what all God had set me apart for. And I believe God wants to set people apart that are listening to this podcast today because God's been speaking to them in different ways. And they just haven't known what steps to take. And I'd encourage people just to take the step that God's uh, put in your path. What, start with what you know. If you know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, you can come to know Jesus today. You can put your trust in the living God today. But to take that step and begin to, if you're a barber, be a barber. If you're, if you're a coach, be a coach. Start out there and seek after God and begin to proclaim the gospel wherever you're at. Because in that first year, I was blessed to see over 1,800 people come to know Jesus. And um, then God just began to expand it out from that. And so all I was was just, a broken down, hurt young man that needed hope. And God brought his hope. He brought his gospel. He brought his truth. He brought uh, an identity to know that we have a heavenly father that will not leave us nor forsake us, but he empowers us to know him, to trust him. Now we can reject him. That's our choice. But he doesn't desire to reject us because his word says that his desire is that none shall perish. And so he wants to draw all men, all women unto him. And so I was excited to take that back into the, the, the highways and the byways. And I'm talking about the public schools where we used to go three to five public schools a week and proclaim the gospel during um, uh, sessions where they said you couldn't. We saw thousands and thousands of, of people make confession of faith and a lot of healings and miracles as well. Wow, wow, that's amazing. And now a couple of years later, maybe two to three years later, you got even more freedom um, when you realized that the Lord wanted to set you free from forced shame. Tell us about that. Well, there was always a nag in my heart because I had obviously I had been rich towards my dad and what he had done to all of us kids. And it was a love-hate relationship. I loved to hate him. And, um, and I, but I knew that that wasn't the gospel. The gospel said, you know, I was reading Mark and in chapter 10 and 11, and he says, you know, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that so too your father in heaven will forgive you your sins. And when I realized that, that God wanted to forgive me um, and he forgave me, but he wanted me to forgive others. I, I, I didn't know what step to take necessarily with that because, you know, at the church where I was going, they didn't really go into a lot of details about forgiveness. There was adulterous spirit. There was uh, seductive spirits that was flowing in the church and there was a lot of confusion. And um, so again, I got before the Lord and I just kept asking him, Lord, I, I know there's something that's burdening my heart and, and I've got anger in my heart and it's, it's, I know it's towards my dad, but I don't know how to overcome it. And so I said, Lord, I, I, I forgive him, but you know, I just, I just, uh, I still have anger in my heart. And so there was a woman by the name of Elaine Poland and a godly woman, spirit filled woman of God. And she actually follows Sid Roth. It's supernatural as well. And, she called me and, and said, I really feel that we need to pray. And as I was praying with her, she said, son, I really feel that you need to forgive your dad. And I said, no, I've, I've forgiven him. She said, no, you need to forgive him as Jesus has forgiven you. 
And I knew right then I had never forgiven him to that capacity because all that God had forgiven me from, you know, all my sins and shame and pain, all the forced shame that was forced on me. I didn't realize that Jesus Christ wanted to set me free from that to that capacity. And so when I forgave him, I began to dig into the word. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author, perfecter, and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured a cross, scorning its shame, and sat down to the right hand of the throne of God. And it says, consider him, Jesus, who endured such great opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And it was at that moment in time that I realized that Jesus Christ had scorned all shame. And then I said, Lord, what does this exactly mean? He said, even forced shame. And I said, well, Lord, I'm born again. Old creation is gone. New creation has come. So that shame is not mine. I got born again. And so I reject that shame. And God began to walk me into how to reject shame and forgive people. And when, let me clarify this. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean you trust those people. Right. It means that you forgive and you trust God. And when Jesus says to forgive, he commands that you do it. And you do it out of obedience to free your, yourself and then release them over to be dealt with by God because he's a just God. We have to leave room for God's mercy, yet at the same time know that his justice is swift. And God's bringing a swift judgment of his word to come alive in us. And his word judges all condemnation. And that's John 3, 19. You know, the, you know, depending on the translation, but he says, this is my verdict or this is my judgment. And the light has come against condemnation and, and darkness. So God's judgment is already against darkness. He just wants us free from it. Mm -hmm. And that's why he sent Jesus and we're covered by his blood. And we have a blood covenant with the righteous God. And that's why we become born again by the spirit of truth. And so we're all created by God equally. He loves us all the same. But the reality is we don't become a child of God until we get born again by the spirit and by the word of truth. And so God becomes to work in us. So that's where God began to work into that. And then I began to see healings and miracles begin to manifest when people began to, you know, pray and forgive people. As mm -hmm. soon as they forgive them, you know, I saw scoliosis of the spine come back in line and the Holy Spirit was leading me and guiding me into walking into deliverance and, and freedom and uh, for others as well. So God began to heal me. And, and so the, one of the key things that God showed me after I forgave my dad, and then I took authority over for shame, literally I had suppressed any artwork or drawings. And I, I used to draw a lot as a child because my dad taught me how to draw. But then I suppressed it because I was an athlete. I had to get back into doing, you know, manly things, right? And after, literally after, I forgave my dad. God be, began to put that unction in my spirit to begin to draw again. And I began to draw, and then also very poetic, um, poetic uh, prophecy. And I began to prophesy to people. And so God wow. began to open up more gifts that he put inside of me that had been literally shackle chained and bottled up that God wanted to release and, and to utilize for his kingdom advancement and his glory. So God began to show me how to get free from all the torment and shame and pain. And then I saw my sisters begin to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, after that, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. You know, I'm going to talk about that briefly, Jackie, if yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Because in, in uh, we know John 3, 16, 
for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever shall believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But we forget about Luke 3.16. And Luke 3.16 says, John baptized with water, but the one who comes after him, that's Jesus, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. There's a purpose in the Holy Ghost and fire. Jesus said, I forbid you disciples to wait until you've been endued with power from on high. And his purpose, Jesus Christ came to pierce through darkness as the light and then resurrect powerfully to conquer death, hell, and the grave, and everything in between. All sickness, disease, all forms of viruses, all forms of diseases, all forms of, of all torment, all shame, all pain. Jesus nettled in the cross for you and I, and everyone that's listening on this podcast today, Jesus took it on for us, and he nailed it. And then they took him, and he released it by saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And he literally buried all that and took it back. And he conquered death, and he resurrected gloriously and set the captives free. The veil was ripped that day on the cross, but later at Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came to empower his people to have dominion power, the resurrection power to overcome all disease, all infirmity, sickness, and disease in the name of Jesus. And I tell you, it's been glorious to see people who have been, they've had a virus, they've had COVID, they've had COVID-19, 2021 and variants, and they've lost their sense of smell. I've seen several of them get up out of comas, uh, get out of ICU. Uh, God's restored their sense of smell and their taste buds. I've seen people over the past couple of years during this whole shutdown that God liberated them and healed them in spite of all the other um, predicaments that they wouldn't make it. And um, God's a faithful healing God. And I love Acts chapter 10, verse 38, where it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with power and the Holy Spirit. And he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. God's a liberating God. And I thank God that he liberated me and he empowers us with the Holy Ghost so that he can counsel us into all things. And I believe, Jackie, that we'll see even greater things than these, Jesus said. And I, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing thousands and thousands a month get healed, freed, delivered, and saved. And I believe that God wants us to equip the body as the fivefold, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. We're here to lay down our life and to pour out and equip the body to rise up. And I believe we're in the hour of that. In this hour, God wants to heal and rise up his people and blaze a trail of glory across this nation in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, and um, you saw your whole family get saved. You saw your sisters and your mom get saved and filled with the Spirit. Tell us about that homegoing service for your grandmother where you had some relatives actually fall out in the Spirit in the graveyard. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was amazing what Jesus did there. It was uh, it's so powerful. Um, you know, as I said, we didn't grow up in a in a home uh, of knowing Jesus. But after leading my, my my five sisters to the Lord, my brother-in-laws to the Lord, my nieces and nephews to the Lord, uh, even my mom gave her heart to Jesus. And the only one that had not given his heart to Jesus at the time was my my dad, my biological dad, Stan Senior. And and so my uncles had asked me to preach the homegoing service for my grandmother. And I led her to the Lord when she was 84 and she passed when she was 93. So I was so blessed to, to share the gospel there. 
And uh, that day there was about 150 plus people that showed up at her homegoing service. And so God just gave me a word to speak into their hearts. And um, out of out of the 150 there, there was over 120 that gave their heart to Jesus. And then that carried over and we went to the burial. And as we were at the burial, I remember seeing the casket laying there. And I said, you know, grandma is not there. This is just a shell that remains. She's not there. She's in heaven. But I said this. I said, I also want you to know that the man that didn't show today, who violated a lot of you, because my, my biological dad had violated even my aunts and uncles. They, they beat them and all kinds of horrid stuff that happened behind the scenes. I said, I want you to know that I knelt down on my knees and I begged him for forgiveness. And they, they gasped. And I remember my aunt just screaming out at that time. And, and I said, I know you're wondering why and how, how could I beg him for forgiveness? And, and he asked me the same thing when I asked him that. I said, but the truth be told, I, I shared with him. I said, because when he asked me, how can you forgive, you know, ask for forgiveness? Because I had never done anything wrong against my dad. I'd always loved on him to try to win him over for Jesus. And he, when he, he asked me that, I shared with him that day right by the casket, and I said, I asked my dad for forgiveness for not forgiving him sooner. Because hmm. looking back, if I had forgiven him sooner, I would have had more freedom. Mm-hmm. And when I said that, be, people began to cry and weep, and, and then the Holy Spirit began to move. And... My my aunts and uncles were asking each other for forgiveness because keep in mind they had just given their heart to Jesus, and then they started forgiving one another, and then we started laying hands and the fire of God began to fall and people started falling out in the Holy Ghost, <laughs> on on the, literally this is the graveyard right where we're right there by the casket and the people, aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews they started falling out in the Holy Spirit, and literally it 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 had to be spooky on the outside looking in. Uh, because you see a bunch of bodies laying out on the <laughs> graveyard. And um, yet it was glorious because God was moving. And literally from death to life, God was birthing forth his glory. He mm-hmm. was literally bringing healing to the hurting in a great capacity. And I'll never forget one of my my cousins came and he, he ran up and he said, and he jumped on me. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and I'm thinking, we're going down now. And uh, immediately he said, it was your fault. I said, what was my fault? And they said, um, it was your fault. And what you said that I forgave aunt so-and-so. And um, I said, uh, I said, well, that's a good thing. But have you forgiven yourself? Have you gotten set free? Have you literally received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And so right there, he recommitted his life to Jesus um, from earlier confessing, but men of power of God came on him. He fell out in the Holy Spirit. And so God moves in a capacity, and I believe that, you know, you got to keep in mind, none of my family members that, that I knew of at the time were born again. I may have had an aunt that was born again, maybe an uncle, but beyond that, no one had ever confessed or never shared the gospel with anybody. And so I believe that God's into restoring families. He's turning mm-hmm. the father's hearts to the sons and daughters and the sons and daughters to the father's heart. He's restoring, he's transforming 
and it's in this hour and we got to be at the point we have to to be tenacious in the in the spirit as well as as expect to see god move on behalf and walk in his ordinances of what his word promises you know he said he wants us to be obedient and i believe so many times we're disobedient by not forgiving people and and judging people and condemning people and giving up on people before the appointed time and leave the judgment of a soul unto jesus and let's take authority and judge the demons out of them. Amen. Amen. Now, June 2019, you led your father to the Lord on his deathbed. Tell us just briefly about that. June 9th of 2019, I got a call uh, after five days of my dad being in ICU. Uh, I got a call that he, he had another, you know, just an hour to two hours to live. And as I was traveling there, it was on my heart. And I said, no, you know, 10 years prior to that, I'd turned my dad over to Satan to be sifted so that his soul shall be saved. So that day driving to it, I said, Lord, I trust you. And I said, Satan, you've done your job. You've sifted his soul so that his soul shall be saved. And so on the way, I said, today is the day of salvation. So when I arrived at the hospital, I walk in, my dad had uh, literally nine major issues where things, organs were shutting down. His kidneys were 100% on dialysis. He had tubes down his throat. And as I walked in, I looked at him, and I had compassion. And the Lord said, grab his hand. Well, keep in mind, that was a cold, clammy hand that violated all of us kids, molested us, incestually raped, beat, all the above. And I grabbed the hand. I looked into his eyes, and, I, and he had tubes in his throat, so he couldn't audibly speak. But I said, I said, listen, today or very soon, you're going to spend eternity in one or two places. You're going to spend in a destination called hell, or you're going to spend it in heaven. It's your choice. And um, I said, if you can understand what I'm speaking to you and you can hear my voice and squeeze my hand, they squeeze my hand. And then after that, I began to walk him through about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus and to repent of his sins and turn away from all the wickedness. And then I spent a little extra time walking him through methodically, hearing from the Holy Ghost, speak it out, different people's names, because he used to tell me about these people, long stories, but I began to walk him through forgiving his dad, forgiving his mom, forgiving others, forgiving those who beat him, those who took advantage of him. And um, then it came full circle to him. And the Lord spoke to me to have him forgive himself. And as soon as he forgave himself, tears started streaming down his face and demons came screaming off of him. In ICU at Henderson Regional Hospital in Danville, Indiana, and then immediately two doctors came in and asked for prayer, asked me to pray with them. And so I was blessed to lead two doctors in prayer to rededicate their lives to the Lord. And a total of five doctors, six nurses, and we had revival in ICU. And my dad was, his kidneys were 100% healed. Now keep in mind, this man smoked three cartons of cigarettes a week. I mean, he was not, he was a chain smoker. And, and so his chest, his lungs were had collapsed and he was like Swiss cheese. He lived for two weeks after that, and God completely healed his kidneys, completely healed. He was 100% off of dialysis. After he gave us her Jesus, those demons came off him, and God restored his kidneys. And yet he didn't pass until June 27th. He passed, it was exactly 10 years to the day that my sister, another story, my sister and my two other nephews, my half-brothers, got freed from him. Mm. 10 years prior to that, at the very hour that they had got freed 10 years prior to that is when he passed. 
And so right after he passed, the nurse came in and she said, you guys have been like family. We, I'm going to miss you. And she said, I, I wish I had what you had. And I said, ma'am, you can have what we have. His name was Jesus. And she said, well, I'm Catholic. I said, well, have you put your trust in Jesus? She said, well, I'm Catholic. I said, I didn't ask you that. Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? And she said, well, I don't know that I know what that means. I said, well, Jesus is the high priest of, uh, above every priest. Hmm. And you can receive Jesus Christ right now. And you can have that Prince of Peace inside your heart and soul. And nobody, you don't have to go through man. You can go through Jesus. He's your savior. He's the one that died on the cross and rose again. And immediately she, she gave her heart to Jesus and started weeping. So literally the corpse of my dad was right behind me. And life was birthed forth right in front of me, right before me. And that's the favor of God. And so we have to continue to move forward. And what I missed out on this side of heaven with my dad, Lord willing, I'll, I'll, I'll spend eternity and gain it back in heaven because I'll have eternity with him. Praise God. Man. Wow. Oh, that's powerful. And we, uh, we're running out of time, but I just wanted you to just briefly tell us about this four CD set you're doing for us and what it's going to do for our listeners. Well, with these four CD sets, I really believe it's going to bring a lot of healing to the hurting and uh, to the listeners to literally compile how God has walked me through and seen tens and tens of thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of lives being transformed from shame, forced shame, rejection, all in the name of Jesus, as well as um, helping people understand how to hear and listen to the voice of God. And I believe that God's spoken to everyone on this earth and hundreds of thousands of people that I've talked to through the years of over 24 years of, of ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ, they begin to realize that God has been speaking to them, but the enemy has been stifling his voice. So walking them how to understand what the voice of God literally is all about in their identity in Jesus Christ as a father's heart to impart. And I believe this, there's so many people that have lived a, a journey and they've not had a, a, a spiritual father in their life. They've not had a biological father in their life. And literally over 80% of the youth come from broken families and brokenness begots brokenness. So how to restore a father's heart and how to understand that he's a loving God that truly loves you, but he's a just God to free you. And so his justice is true. There's several of these different topics that we're going to intertwine to literally bring uh, a great capacity of healing, revelation, and equipping the body of Christ for this end-time harvest to rise up in their gift and call and fulfill what Jesus Christ has commissioned in them. That's so good. And before we go, can you just uh, minister to people? There's people listening right now that are dealing with shame. They're dealing with regret. They're dealing with forced shame. They're dealing with unforgiveness. Can you just minister to them just and pray with them um, before we go? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, for each of you that are listening, you have treasures in you. There are treasures in jars of clay, and Jesus is a jealous God for you. He wants your heart to be free. He wants your soul to be totally free and cleansed from all the pain and shame and forced shame and all the rejection. And, and you want you free from all that's contaminated your body, whether it be cancer, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, or sickness or disease. Jesus paid it all for you and I to be free. And so he's going all shame so that you can be free. Free from that shame. That's not your shame. Even if you had done that shame, if you got born again, if you're born again today, and you've given your heart to Jesus, you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, that no longer shall remain. You have authority over it. 
in Jesus' name to reject it. So right now, I want to walk you through that. But it's, it's, it's going to be an opportunity for you to literally get your freedom and get deliverance from everything that ensnares you, that holds you back, the fear that paralyzes you, because fear is actually faith pointed in the wrong direction. Jesus Christ came, who's faithful and true, to, to liberate you. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Right now, liberty can flow in your life, freedom from the bondage of shame. So I'm going to say this prayer, and there's no particular prayer, but it's by your faith, and your faith can free you today. So just walk it through real fast and say, Lord Jesus, I trust you as my Lord and Savior. I accept you into my heart to free me from all bondage and all shame, everything that I've done and everything that's been done to me. But right now, in the name of Jesus, by your resurrection power, Jesus, I reject all shame, all forced shame. I bind it, and I say to hell with it in Jesus' name. Yep, to hell with it. It is not mine anymore. And Jesus, thank you for loving the hell out of me so I don't have to hold on to hell. Right now, in the name of Jesus, as you forgave me, Jesus, I forgive. I don't trust them, but I forgive everyone that's hurt me, everyone that's violated me, everyone that's come against me and rejected me. I choose by the power of Jesus to forgive them. Now, on your own time, speak their names. And you walk it out and you speak their names and you look at their faces. If you don't even know what their names is, but you know what they look like because maybe you were violated or unfortunately raped or been through a torment and shame of that capacity. Look at their face and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Face that giant and command it down. Now, right now, as you forgive them, now bless them. So I bless them to be healed, delivered, and saved in the name of Jesus. Now, I feel led by the Holy Spirit to say this. Right now, forgive yourself. When I forgave myself, it liberated me. Right now, forgive yourself. When my dad forgave himself, it liberated him. By the power of Jesus, I forgive myself. And Jesus, now fill me with your word, with the power of your Holy Spirit, and your fire. Molding me, building me, mend me to be the individual that you created me to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe God's moving. Spines are being healed. Knees are being healed. Backs are being healed. Lily souls are being delivered from all the torment and shame and the pain. There's anointing, and where the anointing is, it breaks the yokes. And where the truth is, by knowing it, it has set you free. Jesus is a liberating, awesome, living God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest, Stan Lovins II. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special resource. Stan Lovins wants to teach you how to be completely set free from whatever is holding you back. In his brand new and exclusive four-part audio teaching series, Total Freedom from Guilt, Shame, and Regret, you will learn how to be free once and for all, from regret, from shame, 
guilt, and even unforgiveness. You'll also learn how to hear God's voice and walk in the miraculous. It's much easier when you've been set free from the excess baggage that you've held onto for so many years. Now is your time to walk in freedom, live in freedom, experience freedom. I mean, total freedom. Call now for Stan Lovin's brand new and exclusive four-part audio teaching series, Total Freedom from Guilt, Shame, and Regret, for an investment of 29 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 3818. Once again, the offer number is 3818.